Hello, everybody, on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock with the Quest of Oak Island. I hope everybody had a good week. we got a tremendous show coming up tonight. A lot of information. And we'll wait for people to come in to say some hellos. There's Sand Dollar, uh, Gloria, and Kurt, and Jeff. And the other Gloria. And our audio manager, Sydney. Hello, I can see and hear you. Okay, when Brian comes on, we need the same, Sydney. Hello, Henry. So we got a treat tonight. I haven't had a guest on for a while. I figure you guys would get sick of looking at me. Hello, Wade. Sick of looking at me all the time. And it's a good guest. He was on last Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Curse of Oak Island. Has a couple of books that he'll show after his uh, presentation. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Judy. And um, we'll get right to it. Of course, I got to thank all my supporters. I name them all on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but this is a general support of thank you to all you people that support me on the Patreon and on the YouTube side membership and all the members that are on all my channels. I don't know, we get a million views, so there's a lot of people watching us. So I thank you all out there in the whole world. You guys must like the show. Hello, BC. All righty. You guys ready for an excellent show tonight? It's going to be unbelievable. He's going to do his presentation. He said about 20 minutes. And then take questions. Taking a break. And go from there. I can't wait. I just can't wait. So, without a further ado, he was on the Curse of Oak Island last Tuesday night, as you all saw, with the sacred numbers. Here he is. Give a big hello to Brian Farrell. Hey, John. Hello, Brian. Hello, Jan. Everybody's popping in. Welcome, Brian. Welcome, Brian. The gang's coming in. Darlene. Very, very good. Very good. All righty. And Jeff, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah. That's always... Uh, Something to go. What did Sydney say here? She can see him and hear him. So, Brian, they can see us both and hear us both. So, that's a good sign to start off the show. Yeah, everything's working. <laughs> good. There were, I think there was one when I first started out. I did the first uh, 20 minutes <laughs> and it wasn't even going through. So, now I always got to ask people, well, can you see us? Can you hear us? <laughs> um, yeah, how I want to start it off is as we always like like backstories. You know, we see the program every year for 10 years. 
but mm-hmm. we'd like to hear from you guys that actually how you got involved with Oak Island, how you got interested in doing all these uh, things about Oak Island, you know, and how was it going to the war room? We all know, you know, you only get two minutes out of years of uh, researching like everybody else. So mm-hmm. this is the chance we give. That's why I have this program to actually say your side to have some buildup except for little spills. So if you can explain to everybody uh, how the crew was, how it was getting there, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I, well, um, my career, I'm, uh, I'm an architect. Um, so every day I work with um, geometry and numbers. Um, I have a, a keen interest in, I guess, ancient architecture um, and the sacred sites around the world. Um, I love the Canadian aspect of the Oak Island show, the Canadian history, mm-hmm. um, saw the show, I don't know, 10 years ago and I was hooked, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, started Nolan's cross sort of just struck me right off the bat. Um, I thought it was an interesting uh, feature and sort of started looking at it in relation to, I guess, some other sites around the world. I had seen sort of some of these numbers appearing and some other sites and um applied them to uh nolan's cross on oak island Mm -hmm. um and here we are um i was first contacted by them i guess a year and a bit ago Mm -hmm. um shared exchanged some information and stuff like that um and then got invited uh this summer to come down and meet everyone on the island Mm -hmm. it was awesome um very very i was i couldn't believe how many people work on that island producing mm-hmm. the show it's uh it's incredible there's a, a ton of people on the island um and uh it was very very exciting to go down and uh meet everyone get the tour see everything and um it was it was great to present my sort of theories on nolan's cross in front of mm-hmm. uh, tom fred's son right um so that was very exciting, and I think um, by my research as well, and and uh, how it sort of brought some of his dad's work uh, to light. Yep. So, and how was uh, it when you first met Rick and Marty? Though, when when you first saw Rick and Marty, how was that exchange? I didn't meet Marty. Marty wasn't there when I was there, um, but I met Rick and everyone else. Oh, okay. Um, Marty was the only one that was missing um but rick was fantastic i mean right off the bat we hit it off um and um yeah he took us on a tour around Mm -hmm. uh it was it was fantastic um to meet them and meet everyone and uh and finally get in the war room it was fantastic yep it was uh, tony sampson around did you meet tony sampson at all no, he wasn't. No? He wasn't part of it when I was there. No, because he'd bring you to the Anchor Pub and you'd be drinking pints over there at the Anchor Pub. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We did go down to the Anchor Pub for a couple of drinks and uh, there you go. Had some dinner. Yeah, for sure. Had to do that. There you go. Um, but it was great. It was a great time down there. We were there. I was supposed to go for a day. I, we were there for three. Wow. Um, and it was great. Yeah, and like a great lot of the members. Yep, like a lot of the members too. Like I did some pre-videos, like on Nolan's Cross. Let's just show them. I mean, we see a lot of overhead shots of the boulders, but we had this one episode that three masons or stone masons were actually looking on the boulders, and it's a flat side on the bottom. 
but just to show them when you're standing next to these boulders, not the face stone, how huge they are. You know what I mean? To give them a buildup to what you're going to talk about. Yeah, the boulders are huge. Um, and, um, you know, they're the only five that are cone-shaped on the island. There's boulders everywhere. Right. But there's only five of them that are cone-shaped. Um, and the size and shape, um, there's lots of boulders, but only five that, that are this big and, and all look very, very similar. Yep. Uh, and I was looking for everyone. And I was also mm -hmm. looking for at the on the LIDAR, and it showed the boulder on the beach. But it didn't show any other boulders on LIDAR. And I was wondering if these were so big. I was saying, well, maybe it'll show the top one, the bottom one. But it really didn't come out. But just the beach boulder shows. That's, all, that's it. Yep. Yep. I've looked at the same LIDAR image. And yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. they're not there. But uh, but they are there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I saw them for myself. Alrighty. <clears throat> Alrighty. So uh, anytime you want to get into your introduction, uh, we're ready. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd just start off tonight by, mm -hmm. I think, uh, sort of just giving everybody a little bit of a background, a little bit of sort of education on um, these numbers. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, these numbers are, uh, they're embedded in our everyday lives. Um, we just don't think about them. Mm -hmm. um, they're around us all the time. Um so I'm going to sort of demonstrate to you how these numbers are around. Uh, and then I think once everybody gets a background on that, maybe we can ask some questions, answer some questions about that. Yep. And then after the background information, then we could get into sort of the specifics of uh, Nolan's Cross and um, ultimately the, the money pit solution that they showed on TV. Okay, we're good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna share my screen here, I guess, John. And yep, um, yep. When I see started. when I see it, I'll bring it up. Ready? Yeah. Can everybody see that? Okay. Is it sharing? Yep, I see it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> So I'm going to start with a, uh, a quote here, a couple of quotes. Um, okay. Pythagoras stated that all is number. So if you think about that for a second, all <laughs> is number. And Aristotle said that a number is the essence of all things. And the organization of the universe in all its definitions represents in general the harmonic system of numbers and ratios. So we're going to go through and we're going to see, you're going to start to see a pattern. These, these numbers are in our everyday's lives. And um, the ones that we're going to focus on are the numbers that everybody saw on the show. Mm -hmm. 144, 288, 432, 360, 720, and 864. Um, <clears throat> these are part of a universal language of number and proportion. And together, these uh, numbers connect harmoniously to create our universe and our reality. If we look at time measure, we have one solar day. One solar day is equal to 24 hours. 24 hours could be further broken down into minutes. So 24 times 60, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 
and we could further break down the 1440 minutes into seconds so you multiply 1440 by 60 seconds 86,400 seconds per day a uh, day could be divided into 12 hours of darkness and 12 hours of light 720 minutes times 60 seconds 43,200 seconds in a half day so you can see uh, the numbers appearing in the measures of time if we look at the measure of distance uh, we have the measure of a foot and a foot is equal to 12 inches and one square foot is equal to 144 square inches again repeating the 144 the 1440 that we saw in the unit of time in the minutes in a day all we have to do is tack a zero on the end and it's the same number one cubic foot equals 1728 cubic inches curiously a royal egyptian cubit is equal to 1.728 feet so that's kind of interesting that mm. a royal egyptian cubit also equals one cubic foot mm. we can further break down feet into inches by multiplying them by 12. So 360 feet, for instance, would equal 4,320 inches, and 720 feet would equal 8,640 inches. So you can see the numbers now are repeating in the measures of distance, mm -hmm. and they're also repeating in the measures of time. If we go to geometry, this is called the alphabet of sacred geometry. These are the basic forms. Um, we have a circle, we have a square, an equilateral triangle, and a pentagon. And each of these two-dimensional forms can be uh, sort of measured by the, their interior angles. So if we took a circle, we all know that a circle can be divided into 360 degrees. Likewise, in an equilateral triangle, you have three 60-degree angles for a total of 180 degrees would be the, the sum total of an equilateral triangle. A square has four 90-degree corners, so four times 90, 360 degrees. Mm -hmm. So a circle and a square contain the same number of degrees. Mm -hmm. In a pentagon, the interior angle is 108 degrees. Multiply that by five, 540 degrees in a pentagon. So next, we're going to go from the 2D form to a 3D form. And these are called the platonic solids. And these are the 3D forms of the 2D shapes that we just looked at. And these are the building blocks of our reality today. Um, and there's only five of them. The tetrahedron, the octahedron, the cube, and the icosahedron, and the dodecahedron. So again, these shapes can be measured by their interior angles. So a tetrahedron is made up of four equilateral triangles. And if you recall, an equilateral triangle had 180 degrees in it. Four times 180 is 720. The important thing to grasp is that the total sum of the angles in the tetrahedron is 720. If we go to the next platonic solid, it's the octahedron. And it is made up of eight equilateral triangles. So eight times 180, 1440. Again, repeating, so far we have 720, we have 1440, 
repeating numbers that we've seen previously in other measures. Mm -hmm. If we go to the cube, again, recall a cube, a square had a face of 360 degrees. A cube has six sides, six times 360. 2,160 is the total degrees in a cube. And a cosahedron is made up of 12 equilateral, or sorry, 20 equilateral triangles. 20 times 180 degrees in an equilateral triangle. 3,600 degrees in an icosahedron. And the final platonic solid shape is a dodecahedron. And um, it's made up of 12 pentagonal faces. Recall that a pentagon has an uh, interior angle of 540. So 12 times 540, 6480. So these are, you can see some of the numbers that we've just learned about. You got 720, mm -hmm. 1440, 3600, all repeating again. If we, basically these platonic solids, each one of them had an element, an earthly element that was related to them. The tetrahedron was related to fire. An octahedron was related to air. A cube was earth and an icosahedron was water. If you take the interior angles of each of these and add them all up, they add up to the diameter of the earth perfectly. 7,920 miles. So as above, so below. If we look at astronomic measure, mm -hmm. we can see that our sun has a diameter of 864,000 miles. Again, repeating the 864 we found in the seconds in a day. Because it has a diameter of 864,000 miles, it would have a radius of 432,000 miles. Again, repeating the 432. Our moon has a diameter of 2,160 miles. Recall that a cube also has 2,160 degrees in it. And the last example that I'm going to give you, and these are all over the universe. You can find them everywhere if you look for them. I'm only giving you brief examples of these numbers. They're everywhere. Okay. But Mars has a diameter of 4,320 miles, which recalls the 43,200 seconds in a half day. So these numbers repeat in astronomic measure as well. Albert Einstein stated that everything is vibration. So let's take a look at music. If we... In the olden days, they tuned to a different music tuning than we do today. It was called Pythagorean tuning. And in Pythagorean tuning, a musical note A is equal to 432 hertz. And a musical note D was equal to 144 hertz. So in music, and there's more examples of this, I'm just giving you guys a couple to, to sort of set this thing off but you can mm -hmm. see the same numbers are repeating again in the measure of music and the final aspect to this little sort of ancient knowledge is something called gematria and gematria is the practice of you know coding numbers into words and vice versa this was used in all of the ancient writings gematria is present in the bible the torah the kabbalah all of the pythagorean literature um, today we've lost touch with this, but the ancients used this. 
And to solve the Oak Island puzzle, we have to think how they thought, not how we think today. That's the critical thing. So today we use our alphabet for spoken and written language, and we use numbers to calculate and do mathematics. We think they're different today, but in the ancient times, they were one and the same. So to give you an example of this, <clears throat> if you, here I have a chart. On the left side, you can see the Greek alphabet, and on the right side, the Hebrew alphabet. And each one of the letters in the Greek and he Hebrew alphabet have a, uh, a number associated with each of the letters. So you can see that the Greek letter alpha uh, relates to the number one. And the Hebrew letter elf relates to the number one as well. And then this continues on through the letters. Each of the numbers, as you can see, has a letter that is related to each of, or a number that's related to each of the, the, uh, the letters. So how is this employed? Well, if we look at Greek gematria on the left-hand side there, the word Jerusalem, you take the Greek word, you take each of the letters from the Greek word, you assign this corresponding number to each of the letters, and you sum them. So Jerusalem in gematria is equal to 864. Again, a number we just sort of saw. And if we look at Hebrew gematria, the number 864 is equal to pattern. So our, in our words are hidden numbers. Uh, we don't think like that anymore, but in the olden days, they did. Mm -hmm. um, and then the final slide that I'm going to show you sort of for this warm-up here is that if you take each of these numbers, in mathematics, there's a something called a digital root, which is basically cabalistically reducing the number down to its um, its fundamental number. And the way that you do that is sort of by summing each of the numbers within the number. So if we look at the number 432, for instance, 4 plus 3 plus 2 is equal to 9. If we take another number, I have some examples there, 360, 3 plus 6 plus 0 equals 9. All of the numbers that we've learned about here all digitally reduce to the number 9. Number nine is present in all of the 2D and 3D platonic solids. It's also present in time, geometry, music, astronomic measure, gematria, and the distance measures. Mm -hmm. So can everybody sort of see a pattern happening here with these numbers? Yep. So, John, I don't know if people have some questions about sort of this part of it, but maybe we answer a couple of those and then I'll sort of continue on into Nolan's Cross. Okay, let me remove this. All right, also, I want to thank you, Brian, to be uh, mm -hmm. on the Quest of Oak Island to pick us for your first podcast. I thank you so much for you, uh, doing this primarily for us on the first time. I thank you so much. And my members, thank you. Thank you. you know, I appreciate the opportunity to do it. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is great. Okay, Connor says, my question is, did Freemasons use geometry skills to create a celestial star map to pinpoint the locations of their treasures around the world, I guess he's saying? Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know, Freemasons or whatever, but definitely the ancient people used the stars to mark the things on the ground. Um, definitely very, very key thing. As above, so below. 
Yep. And then, of course, I talked to Brian on this, and he'll do it in his presentation. Jan asked, do we know if some of the stones have been moved and put back over the years? Do you have to make any adjustments to your calculations? He'll be answering this very shortly, Jan. Yeah, we'll get into sort of the the adjustment to Nolan's Cross. Let me see here. And Gloria. Wow, that was very easy to understand. Yeah, you have to kind of think like, I mean, nature creates everything as efficiently and simply as it possibly can. So the solution in some respects should be as simple and easy as possible. And the mathematics, in the next section, I'm going to get into a little bit of mathematics, but the math isn't complicated math. It's adding and subtracting. You know, um, we're not writing a 40-page physics equation to make this stuff work. It's simple math. And that's, is, what, yeah. that's what makes it so easy. But it just amazes me how they even started the base of this mathematics in the ancient days. I mean, who figured out, you know, Leonardo da Vinci or something? I mean, the, the diameter of the sun and all these numbers. How, where did the base come from? We never know that, right, Alvarez? Um, I, I'm not an expert in this field, but oh, I'm um, just asking. But yeah, I mean, I, I, from what I understand, I think it was handed down from the Sumerians, which is mm -hmm. a very ancient civilization, many many years ago, and uh, I believe it's encrypted in their uh, mm. uniform language or whatever that they've read. Um, but yeah, somehow the ancients did this, and they really observed the skies. They knew where everything. That everything was and mm -hmm. um you know we don't do that today but right. they did all right connor says why do you think templars use geometry skills to protect things underground <clears throat> um because if you could locate the stars mm. um and you could put them on the ground then you could you could find what you needed to yep i always thought this is what i thought of too i thought of tesla that guy amazes me when i see things with uh, nikola tesla Mm -hmm. You always said about that 369, and I was thinking of that when you were doing this 369. What do you think of that? Um, I think the 369 is uh, <laughs> very fascinating. We could do a whole episode on 369. <laughs> um, yes, fascinating stuff. Again, numbers. Right. Um, numbers. And don't forget, I mean, uh, Pythagoras said, all is number, and yeah. uh, we're number. And here's our professor, our historian professor, Daniel Spino, who keeps me straight and narrow. Hi, Brian. When you were talking about the shapes, I was wondering if you were familiar with the Albrecht, Doris, Patillion, oh, God, Roma, Hundred. I can't even see these words, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, Durer's Melancholia. Yes, I'm familiar with that. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> lots of debate about the shapes and the geometry and whatever, and you know, I truly believe that uh, Durer was uh, in the know, so to speak, with uh, some of his other friends, John D. and uh, Bacon and a bunch of them. But yes, I think I think they encoded this um, hmm. this sort of ancient language um, that we don't use today. That's yeah. the most important thing that we have to we have to think how they think. They didn't hmm. think like we think. They thought differently than us. Yep. We'll so, see. Maybe this is in your presentation. I don't know, but I got to give Kurt some face time. Did you use information from Zena's maps and La Formula to calculate your measurements? Um, yes, I've 
I have I've decoded Xena's maps. They are in my book. Okay. Um, I'm sort of gonna leave them out of this presentation tonight. Well, well, we'll see how it goes. But um, I'll give you a little thing that I sort of found is that I think that Xena's maps are um, they're an astronomical map. Um, and I'll show you a couple of those things sort of through this presentation. Um, and in my book, I actually um, I, I unfold like if you're familiar with, I think it's the 1179 map, it's Nova Scotia. Right. But I, I sort of unfold the map and show how all the longitude and latitudes and everything work in that. Mm. Um, their longitude and latitudes are a little bit off. Um, they didn't have modern day satellites to calculate the circumference of the Earth. So the latitude and longitudes that they've uh, calculated on their maps and latitude and longitude has been around for a long, long time. Okay. Um, but they weren't using sort of our standard today for the circumference of the Earth. So it'd be very difficult to take uh, Xena's map and uh, and sort of put it on Google Earth and have it work perfectly. Um, right. They might have had the, the circumference of the Earth a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. and what we have it today um it's a good time to show your books too we can show your books now and then show them later if you want sure sure yeah i've got one right here so yeah this is my latest one right secrets of nolan's cross book two um and this book is um basically um details my presentation a little bit more detail than i'm going to go into today um and it's basically the presentation that I made um, to everyone at Oak Island. And then um, I've expanded it a bit. Again, I only had so much time to present there. So you have to sort of cut some things out. Right. Um, like they did on the TV show. Like, uh, it's so hard. I mean, you, you put, I presented for over an hour. And I think I got three minutes. So, yeah. um, and a lot of things in the. The presentation, uh, like they didn't use my diagrams and stuff. The show recreated some of them, and they're inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So, um, right. but anyhow, they did a good job. It's a complicated, big theory, and you know, you got to chop it down somehow. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is my friend Dot the Dot on YouTube, mm -hmm. Michael Braham. Mm -hmm. Actually, what you do and say, it's almost a mirror image of what Dot the Dot does. So you guys will understand each other like butter melted together because it's almost the same stuff that you guys are using you're gonna have to get in contact with uh, michael brahman absolutely uh, reach out to me i've watched a lot of his videos and stuff like that so i would love to yeah love he's to just try. unbelievable you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, then we'll do this question then we'll get back to the presentation where can Sounds you get like the plan. book Amazon, you said it's going to be coming out on oh, Amazon. Oh, books on Amazon, yes. Okay. In a soft cover and ebook, whichever you prefer. All righty. Well, let's get back into it. When okay, you're ready. here I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip my screen up here. You um, got it. Take your time. And I'll go to the um, the next slide here. Okay, ready? so recall the numbers 144 288 360 720 432 mm -hmm. 864. <clears throat> so um i spent quite a bit of time over the last i mean i've been at this for eight plus years um 
and I've spoken to a lot of, uh, I guess, people that were involved in Oak Island and have been over the years. Um, very fortunate to share my theories and discuss different things with them. Um, one of my biggest allies and who I talked to the, quite a bit was uh, Robert Young. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he purchased Lot 5 on uh, Oak Island from Fred. And him and Fred were uh, great friends over the years. Um, they hunted for treasure together. They um, got into trouble together, I'm sure, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so Robert recounted a lot of his times with Fred to me. And, um, you know, Robert felt like I did that there needed to be a slight adjustment to um, Fred's uh, measures of the cross. And Fred had stated to... Um, Robert, that, you know, there was some latitude in his measures and other theorists have um, slightly adjusted the numbers as well. Um, we have to keep in mind that um, these boulders are big on the left side there. You can see Fred with his survey tripod and um, a couple pictures of some of the, the stones. Um, you know, Fred didn't really know where to measure on these things exactly. Um they may have shifted frost and heat, like frost and thaw cycles over hundreds of years. Um, but um, basically what I've done is I've, I've sort of adjusted the numbers slightly, um, not of the short axis. I'll show you. Uh, here's, this is the original layout of the cross. So um, you can see that the short axis is 720 feet. And it's got two 360 foot arms and then uh, the long axes of the cross fred measured at 867 feet which consisted of 145 at the top 429 and 289 um so when i looked at this i saw right off the bat the 720 and 360 which we've learned about in sort of our sacred numbers at the beginning there and how they're sort of embedded in our everyday lives right um so then I thought to myself, well, what if we just made a slight adjustment to the long axes? Um, we would start to see some of these sacred numbers sort of appear. So I basically adjusted the uh, top dimension from 145 feet to 144 feet. Um, the next dimension was 429. I adjusted it to 432. And the 289 at the bottom, I adjusted to 288. Right. Now... You have to keep in mind that these boulders are massive. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dimensions still land on the boulders. There we um, go. There we go, not gang. not missing the boulders. <laughs> there we go, gang. The big question. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're, they're, it's, they're still on the boulders. Um, right. And um, yes, go, Fred moved the boulders and whatever, but he recorded the dimensions before he moved them like mm-hmm. any surveyor would. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the dimensions now are the dimensions that we see before us. So this is the change that I'm proposing to make. It really only affects the long axes of the cross. Um, and all of the numbers still land on each of the stones, which may have shifted over time. Um, so if we look at... Um, at the 720 and the 864, I noticed that both of them both of those numbers are divisible by the number at the top of the cross, 144. So this creates um, a grid 
of 144 by 144. So this exposes a grid of five units wide by six units long. And, um, and the curious thing that I found here is that if you look at one of those grids, um, 144 by 144, it has an area of uh, 20,736. Now, the interesting thing about this number is that that is the number of inches in a royal Egyptian cubit. So a royal Egyptian cubit is equal to 1.728 feet. Multiply it by 12 is 20.736 inches. So I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of strange. The, the grid seems to be encoding the cubit again. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a deep dive here on six and five. Why six? Why did they make it six units by five units? Okay. So the first thing that I did is I divided six by five, which is equal to 1.2. Now, in, in sort of ancient times, and they, and even today, using scientific notate notation, we shift the decimal place. Um, so 1.2 could be equal to 12. 12 is a secret number, uh, sacred number. We have 12 constellations. We have 12 inches in a foot, 12 months in a year. There's 1,200 musical cents in an octave. I also knew that six-fifths, the ratio of six-fifths, is a minor third in music. So that's kind of interesting, music. I took the reverse of five over six, did five over six, and it's equal to 0 0.833333, continuing forever. And in musical sense, if you converted phi, which is a mathematical constant, which is fundamental to our existence here on Earth, uh, you convert it to musical sense, it's equal to 833 cents. So 5 over 6 is encoding musical phi, which I thought, that's very interesting. <clears throat> the next number I tried was 6 over 5 to the power of 2. And this was equal to 1.44, which could be written as 144, which curiously is the fundamental number at the top of Nolan's cross and is also the number of the grid that we've uncovered in Nolan's cross as well. So let's keep going with these sixes and fives. Career, top left corner here, this one up here. That's 6 over 5 times... 6 over 5 times phi squared is equal to pi. So you could use pi and 6 over 5 and create a circle. That's kind of interesting. Next one, top right corner, 6 over 5 to the power of 3 is equal to 1.728, the royal Egyptian cubit. These numbers just keep repeating and repeating and repeating again and again and again. 6 over 5 to the power of 4 is equal to 2.0736, which again, recall, is equal to the royal Egyptian cubit in inches. The last one I'm going to show you, there's lots of examples of this, is 6 over 5 to the power of 5 is equal to 2.48332. Like, what's that number mean? Mm -hmm. So if we look at 6 over 5 to the power of 5, 2.48332, uh, and we convert it to 24,833.2 miles, 
Earth's circumference is 24,901.5 miles. So 6 over 5 to the power of 5 is 99.9% correct to Earth's circumference. That's pretty crazy. And even further, if we took all of the planets of our solar system, not including Pluto because it's a dwarf planet, and we pushed them all together so they were all side by side by side, and we added up the, the diameters of each of the planets, it equals 248,981.9 miles. So 6 over 5 to the power of 5 is 99.9% .9 correct to, to the measurement of all of the planets pushed together. So that's pretty crazy too. If we look at 5 and 6, we can relate them to our human body. Um, our body has five fingers, five toes, five senses. We have two arms, two legs, one head. If we look at the number six, the carbon atom is fundamental to our human body. And it consists of six neutrons, six protons, and six electrons, six, six, six. We have two ears, two eyes, one mouth, and one nose. So you could say that six and five are are, are part of us. If we look at our own DNA, and this is a diagram of an adenine molecule, um, which is the foundation of our own human DNA, it, it expresses the merger of six and five uh, right in its chemical composition. So six and five is built into us. So how does this sort of geometry now sort of work into Nolan's cross. If we look at Nolan's cross, we can see at the bottom of it a square. The square would be 720 feet by 720 feet. If you take the perimeter of that square, it's 2,880 feet, which recalls the 288 at the bottom of the cross from cone D to cone E. If we take the area of that square, 518,400 square feet, big number. But curiously, and again, a sacred number, but I'm not gonna, we won't get into that, but the Great Pyramid of Giza has a slope angle of 51.84 degrees. So they clearly thought that it was a, a sacred number as well. Right, Brian, I got a question for you. Yeah, fire away. Um, the show that we see mm -hmm. didn't show your information. They show different information. Or yes. you want to explain that for us? Because us, us as viewers, you know. Yeah, I wish I could. But yeah, I, I'm when I like. I'm going to close this for a sec here. And we'll come back to it. But um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, they did not use my diagrams on the show. Not one. Um, they didn't use my um, my maps for the like. I saw some comments about uh, the yellow line not yeah straight yeah. and yeah. So um, that's not your stuff. They they got it from someplace else. Well, yeah, like they remade, and I don't know if it's a copyright issue. I'm not sure why, but they oh. they did not use my um, my presentation in the TV show. They recreated them, and um, they made they made some errors, but. Uh, Anyhow, it's okay. 
All right, let's see. I get Jan... to I get to show my stuff on this. Yep. Yeah. Jan says so. All these calculations tell you about Nolan's Cross, but do they tell you where the treasure may be located? Have you tried to use your calculations on any other areas of the island? That'll be coming up again, Jan. It will be coming <laughs> up. Um, yeah, um, I did use these calculations to locate uh, the money pit, but mm -hmm. um, I also I have. We'll get into it at the end, but I have some other thoughts on. Um, I think the treasure might be somewhere else. Right. What did the Renee okay? So say? I'm going to pop up my screen here again, John, and sort of continue with this. Okay. Okay, ready? Um, okay, so we saw the square, the 720 foot by 720 foot square. Um, inside of that square, you could inscribe a circle. And the circle would have a diameter of 720 feet. Um, keep, just keep this in your mind, because 6 and 5 yeah. is a very, very important um, ratio in our everyday lives and six over five is 1.2 but it's also 12 inches in a foot so right. 720 feet in diameter is equal to 8640 inches and it would have a radius of 360 feet which is 4320 inches so these numbers are just repeating and repeating the numbers encode layer upon layer of information could be time or could be astronomic could be music, but the numbers are repeating. And re if we inscribe a triangle next inside of the circle, it would have a base of 576 feet, and it would have a height of 576 feet. The area of this triangle would be 259,200 square feet. Now, this is another sacred number. We're not going to get into it, but the great year mm -hmm. is equal to 25,920 years. And that's a very, very important um, number. Um, Chris has talked about that, um, the procession of the equinoxes. He just did a little video on that, um, I would think a week or two or three days ago uh, on your channel there. So yeah, Christopher Morfitt, a good friend. That's right. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, the great year, 25,920. Hmm. Next, you could inscribe a square inside the triangle, and it would be 288 feet in length. Convert that to inches, it's 3456 inches, which recalls the Pythagorean theorem, 3456. Um, and the Pythagorean, the Pythagorean theorem is sort of fundamental to sonic symbology as well hmm. um and interesting here and we're going to get into a little bit of music in a minute here too but um this blue square is mm -hmm. two and a half times smaller than the red square so 2.5 could be equal to two octaves and a perfect fifth in music uh, hmm. for anybody that is a musician they'll understand that um so that's very interesting as well because two octaves and a perfect fifth is what starts nature's harmonic series okay we're going to learn about that coming up the last shape to inscribe within the square is a circle and it has a radius of 144 feet 
uh, it would have a diameter of 288 feet. So again, repeating the same numbers. And uh, this circle is again, two and a half times smaller than the big blue circle. Uh, so two octaves and a perfect fifth, again, encoding the start of nature's harmonic series. Hmm. If we look at uh, ancient Eastern culture, um, the square, the triangle, and the circle in their uh, ancient traditions represents creation. And if we look at it in the Western tradition, um, it's the legendary philosopher's stone encoded the circle, the triangle, and the square. So, you know, could Nolan's Cross be encoding the philosopher's stone? Possibly. Uh, the Philosopher's Stone was an ancient alchemical symbol that illustrated the interplay of the four elements of matter, earth, air, fire, and water. And remember, recall how I showed you that earth, if you add earth, air, fire, and water, you get the earth, yep. the diameter of the earth. So uh, we learned about that when we were talking about the platonic solids. To acquire the Philosopher's Stone is to acquire the full knowledge of God. A mystical union the transmutation of base metals and minerals into gold now curiously gold in the periodic table has a covalent covalent radius of 144 repeating the, the number 144 the fundamental number of nolan's cross again efforts to discover the philosopher's stone are known as the magnum opus or the great work so that's sort of some of the geometry that's encoded. Mm -hmm. I have more in my book, but I'm going to keep it simple for now. But that basic geometry that's encoded. Next, we're going to take a look at um, music. So uh, the harmonics, the only natural scale, uh, it's always the same because it corresponds to a mathematical uh, sequence. And I'm going to sort of briefly explain it to you here. Um, if you look at the diagram, you can see uh, some arches. And those are representing the strings of an instrument. And the first, uh, if you pluck a string, the mm -hmm. first sound that it makes is uh, a one-to-one, -one, which is called unison. The next step that that string does is divides itself into two. And that's going up an octave or two to one ratio. The next step that it does is it goes a perfect fifth, which divides the string into three. The next interval is a perfect fourth, which is four to three, which divides a string into four. And then a major third happens after that, divides the string into five. And the final in interval is that I'm gonna talk about this, this series continues to infinity. So if you pluck a string, the sounds continue forever. Oh, okay. Um, but we're going to stop at uh, a minor third, which is equal to six over five. Uh, that's the last division of the string that we're going to talk about here. So uh, these, this sound, these music is fundamental again to um, our own existence here today. And if we take the numbers of nolan's cross they naturally encode mother nature's harmonic series um right in the numbers of the cross so if we start with 
144 hertz, which is equal to musical note D. Hmm. You go up an octave to 288 hertz, which is again the number a number on Nolan's cross. Again, a musical D. A perfect fifth from 288 is 432 hertz, which is Pythagorean tuning musical note A. The next one is a perfect fourth above that, which is 576, which is again a musical note D. A perfect third is 720 hertz, an F major chord. And the final one we're going to look at today is you go up a minor third, 864 hertz, musical note A. So six musical notes, five musical steps, again encoding the six and five, and encoding Mother Nature's harmonic series. It's actually incredible. This is one of the most incredible things that I think uh, I discovered in, in Nolan's Cross uh, is the musical component um, to the arrangement of the numbers and the measures. If you combine uh, musical notes together, you get a D major chord or a D major triad. And in ancient times, this was known as the key of glory or the key. <clears throat> Now, music can be related to what's called the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci sequence is uh, a sequence that occurs all around us. It's fundamental to our existence. It's uh, Mother Nature uses it all over the place. It's basically when you take uh, the previous number and you add the next number, you get a, a ratio between the numbers that's equal to phi. And phi is 1.618 dot, 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 dot. It continues on into infinity like pi. Uh, it is... It is uh, fundamental to us. Um, it's built into our human bodies, and it's built into nature. You can see it in lunar eclipses. You can see it in how leaves and branches grow. You can see it in pine cones. You can see it in the formation of galaxies. The Fibonacci sequence reveals itself in nature. Um, so how does this sort of relate to Nolan's cross? Well, 144 is the 12th Fibonacci number. And recall that 12 is 6 over 5. And if you look at the bottom line here, mm -hmm. across here, you can see all of Nolan's cross numbers appear in the Fibonacci sequence. And as they do, they're creating these not only the platonic solids, but they're also creating some of the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, are all coming out of these sacred numbers in a Fibonacci sequence, which is actually uh, mind-blowing. Um, so these numbers in Nolan's Cross are including some, um, some pretty interesting information. I'm going to show you one other thing here. So Pythagoras stated that man is the measure of all things. Just think about that for a minute. Man is the measure of all things. Um, and St. John the Apostle in the Apocalypse stated, rise and measure the temple of God. So they're referring to the human body. And if we take the measures of Nolan's cross and we 
change the uh, the 720 feet to 72 inches, and we change the 864 feet to 86.4 feet, it perfectly encodes the Vertuvian man um, in, in, in the cross. So I find that absolutely fascinating as well. So as above, so below. These numbers just keep repeating and repeating and repeating again and again and again. Lordy 40. So this is the this is going to be the final component here for um, Nolan's cross. And this is a pretty interesting one. I'm going to start it off with a, a quotation here. Okay. Um, Galileo said, mathematics is the alphabet with which God has written the universe. Hmm. Mathematics is the alphabet with which God has written the universe. So let's take a, a little deeper look at the ge geometria meanings of some of these numbers that we found in Nolan's cross. So if we look at the number 144, in Hebrew, don't ask me to say the name, John, because I'm not going to get it right, but oh. the number 144 translates in Hebrew mm. to a repose, a resting place, or a cave. There you go. Oh, my lordy 40. Now we're cooking. <laughs> yeah, now we're cooking because this is number 288, which is the measure from cone D to cone E. In Hebrew, translates to a hole, a pit, mm -hmm. or a well. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 432. 432 is from the intersection to cone D. Um, and 432 in Hebrew translates to a hiding place. Very, very interesting here. The next number we'll look at is 720. 720 in Hebrew can translate to a couple of things, but one of the things it translates to is time of a judge. The interesting thing about this is that... Um, the time of the judges is a biblical period, um, to 1014 BC, lasted for about 336 years. But this is the time, um, and I'm not, this is the time about when the Ark of the Covenant comes on the uh, sort of the uh, calendar of the Bible, okay. the time period of the Bible. So this is the first time that you see the Ark of the Covenant is in the time of the judges in the bible and it also could mean newcastle which could translate to the new jerusalem um so that's kind of interesting too if we look at 864 we already did this one when we sort of learned some of the um the numbers at the beginning but in hebrew um 864 means understanding or pattern hmm. so Again, are they telling us that we need to have an understanding of what they're encoding here to decipher it? Possibly. Um, 360. 360 means impregnable. Well, <laughs> the only thing I can say is that this treasure vault's been impregnable for the last 250 years, to say the least. That's for sure. You got that um, for sure on that one. Yeah. So interesting, though, uh, how these numbers mm -hmm. um, seem to have a real uh, meaning when you apply them to uh, the numbers of Oak Island and Nolan's Cross. 
Um, <clears throat> the last couple of numbers I looked at here um, are six and five, just because they're the key grid. They come out of the uh, grid that we found encoded in Nolan's cross. Mm -hmm. And uh, the six means um, to cut out, excavate a cistern or a pool, or it could mean a vault, a pit, a cistern, or a den of lions. Again, fits perfectly with, uh, with Oak Island and the mystery of Oak Island. Yeah. Number five, five represents the fifth Sephiro. And, um, and uh, as you guys have learned about the fifth Sephira, um, it's on the opposite side of Mercy. Um, I think it was Petter Amiston had done yep. the theory with the Mercy point. Yep. Well, if you took the long axes of Nolan's cross and you mirrored the Mercy point over, mm -hmm. um, you would have the fifth Sephira, which is called Jebera, and it has uh, a numeric value of 216 also. Um, the last number that we're going to look at here is the number 12 because 6 over 5 is equal to 1.2, which is 12. Um, and in Hebrew, um, it means the abyss or the lost thing. Now, interesting that the abyss is the path that you travel when you go through the tree of life. Um, and... Um, and it can also mean to mark or measure off, to rest or to dwell. So very, very interesting meanings in um, Hebrew gematria. And the last examples that I'm going to show you here um, are English and gematria. So today we don't think that there is gematria, but it does exist. And um, in English and French, um, it's the same as sort of the Greek and the Hebrew examples that I'd shown you, but A is equal to 1, B is equal to 2, mm -hmm. C is equal to 3. If you take these same numbers and you look at them in English and French gematria, 144 is equal to light, 288 is equal to Kabbalah, or J-H-V-H, which is the name of God in, light, uh, in Hebrew, and uh, it's also equal to tree. Um, 360 is equal to word or holy. 432 is equal to Oak Isle or origin. 720 is equal to cross north, sacred cross, gematria codes and the truth. And 864, um, you see this notation on the Xena map, La Isle de Chen. Hmm. Um, which translates in English to the Island of Oak, but it has a numeric, a gematria value of 864 as well. So, um, so very interesting um, meanings when you apply these to, um, to Oak Island. So maybe John will take a little break here and answer some more questions. And then I think, you know, when we come back, maybe we can do the, um, we can look at the money pit solution and then do some more questions. Yep, sounds good. My head's ready to explode, but that's okay. <laughs> when I saw the den of lions, whatever came to my mind, the way my mind works and my members know me, we don't have a den of lions on Oak Island. We have a den of foxes. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Yeah, Doug found a uh, this rock pile that they thought it was a, 
I don't know, some kind of burial place or whatever, but it was only a spoil spit. But they got they got a den of foxes there on Oak Island. Perfect. That's our lion. All right. What do we got? Let me see. I don't want to miss anybody here. Terry Hunter. He did he did see questions on our Facebook group. He is a member of the Quest of Oak Island. Okay. <clears throat> Tammy, Brian, did you submit your research for consideration to them? And if so, when? Um, I sent my first book to Craig Tester um, a couple of years ago, I guess now. Um, and then um, they contacted me maybe a year after that, mm-hmm. which would have been, I guess, in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then um, we got back together again um, this summer. Okay. I presented uh, sort of what I'm presenting to you today. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that's why I wrote book two was to sort of better describe it because I, I think even in this short presentation, um, sometimes it's better to just read it and digest it on your own. So, yep. Here's uh, Daniel. I sort of wrote the book, but yeah. Daniel so we've says, been talking for a while. Yep. Daniel says, fantastic. This answers all my questions I had. Daniel, all your questions? That's a first. So glad you're here to explain it in more detail. I would enjoy talking to you further regarding some of your findings. Many of them are things I have found using different methods. Great stuff. Thank you. Daniel Spino is, is our main man in our channel. Uh, mm-hmm. I was talking to him this week, sort of back yeah. and forth. And yeah. Yeah. Good man. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. And Tammy says she was wondering how long it takes, but of course you had COVID in between. By the time they get the book, by the time they read the book and filter out things, and then they either call you or they don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess for being on the show, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of paperwork and different things to get out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, one of the questions yeah. we got here, guys, we're on a question. And then he's going to get into the X marks the spot on the next little promotion and i'm glad it's coming out good i I love it um some of the numbers go over my head but um that's how you have to get to that uh presentation is those numbers build up to a point to where the direction in which way it goes otherwise you won't have the map in the background to find what you found at the end right brian yes yeah, you got to start at the beginning. And like I said to uh, Rick and everyone around the table, I mean, it's very important that we think how they. I think we think I don't, I don't think we give the ancient people enough credit for, um, you know, we think that they, you know, could barely make a wheel. And yet they these guys were tracking the star precision. Yeah. Um, if we look at some of the sacred sites around the world, um, these guys were building and moving stones that we could we can't barely move today right um, and they were locating these buildings precisely in alignment with solstices equinoxes different astronomic events yeah. um sometimes i wonder i they were smarter than us and i and i think and i think that they were really with um the earth and yeah. I think today we've lost that. Um, I think we've lost sort of, nobody goes outside and looks up at the stars anymore. And in a city, you can't even see them. So, right. um, but 
in the ancient times, I mean, they really studied those things. And I think that they are, I think we've lost touch with that. And I think that it's important that we should try to, um, to learn those things again, because we need to live in harmony and peace with, yeah. um, with the earth. Yep. The people and not only look at the, the stars when it's July 4th or when the Starlink satellites are going across the sky, that's about the only time they're looking, you know, up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. BC says something here. No, we think, think those... we're, we think we rule, you know, we think we rule the earth and we're the top dog on the earth <laughs> and whatever. But at any time she wants to shake us off. Yeah. We're like fleas on her back. Um, yeah. Yep. But so we got to start to think that. I think that they cared about the earth and thought about the earth. And yep. we got to well, learn that again. Yep. BC says, when do you think Nolan's cross was created? Good question. Um, I don't know. I, 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 there's so many good theories about that. I'm, I'm more of a math and geometry and sort of the ancient knowledge side of it. Um, you know, I think there's some romance in the Templar theory. I think there's some romance in the Bacon theories and stuff mm. as well. Um, but I think that, I don't know exactly when it was done. I think it's old, right. um, ancient. And I think, um, and I think that um, the knowledge was passed down through mm. all of these various, you know, be it Templars to the Rosicrucians, then to the Freemasons. Mm -hmm. um, this ancient knowledge um, has down from generation to generation uh, and passed symbolically in uh, a lot of these symbols and stuff. And we just don't speak their language today to understand. Um, right. I think it's very old. I think it's very old. Right. And then Renee says, uh, you almost answered some of this. Was their knowledge of numbers in reference to local and music frequency widely known? Was it a secret? Who was privileged to abstain this info if not widely known? I think it was just a very small group of a member group because the rest of the people didn't have knowledge of really anything much of the worldly affairs, you know what I mean, in the old days. It just was a group of priest or whatever the heck you want to call them right brian yeah i think it was sort of held to the um i don't know the upper echelons of the um these mm. you know different religions or uh, templar groups or rosicrucians um you know even today when you go into freemasonry i don't think you really understand the full secret until you get uh, much higher into the into the levels um but you got to learn the symbols and the signs first. So right. trying to teach you at the bottom and, right. and um, yeah. So I think a long time, I don't know if did I answer that question? I think I did. Ken mm. says, did you learn anything from dialogue from the Oak Island team during discussions after your press? We understand that TV editing may have lost any of that. Well, cutting away, whatever they do editing. Yeah. Um, did I learn anything? Um, well, they took me to like some other sites on the island that we looked at. I don't know if they're going to be on the show or not, so I mm -hmm. won't sort of be speaking about Good. some of those. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I did. They showed me around to some other places. There's some places that I've seen that um, aren't on the show yet. Um, so um, 
yeah, they sort of wanted me to try to apply some of these mm -hmm. numbers and some of the, these ideas to some other locations. Right. Tim says, is there any place in the world that has something similar to the Nolan's Cross that you know of? Uh, yeah, there's lots of megalithic sites all around the world. Um, in my book, and I can't remember sort of some of it, but yeah, there's uh, in, especially in the, the British Isles, uh, Scotland and, mm -hmm. and somewhere up in there, there's a bunch of uh, megalithic crosses. And, bunch of crosses, um, okay. Oh, my yeah, Lord and they align me. with, um, they align with solstices and equinoxes. Um, it's quite, quite phenomenal. Yeah, we used to have uh, Chris Donna who passed away. He was our star man. I used to call Chris the star man Donna. He was mm -hmm. fantastic on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you doing this. The members are still sticking with us, so we're doing good, Brian. Awesome. Let's keep going. Yep. Why don't I, um, I mean, I, I'm kind of skipping through. There's some other stuff in my, um, in my research or whatever. Um, but I think I'm going to skip through some of that. Um, because I did go into with them, and it's sort of funny, um, one of the things I guess I might as well say, but um, in my TV episode, um, there's a scene where they uh, they say that I say that it was the Templars, and um, it's, it's very good editing on their behalf, but um, what I was referring to is um i was going through because of my architectural background Correct. i had studied a lot of these ancient sites and um i was going through um Accra, israel which mm -hmm. was a templar stronghold they had built a lot of tunnels and everything underneath it um and i was talking about um some of these ancient construction techniques and things like mm -hmm. that and it mm -hmm. sort of ended up coming out like i was uh, a Templar guy, which I like mm. that theory, but I'm not sort of married to anyone particular when it comes to that history sort of part of it. But anyhow, they sort of edited that in and made it look like I was sort of on the Templar um, bandwagon. And um, anyways, there you go. All right. Um, okay, so I'm going to bring up my screen again here, John. And yeah, there's about let's a, go half into, a second delay. Let's go into uh, Nolan's Cross here. Okay, you're ready to go. Okay, before we go there, I'm going to show you something interesting too. And this is in my book, but Washington, D.C. Yeah, so if you take Nolan's Cross and you overlay it on the National Mall mm -hmm. um, and you scale it up um, 8.64 times, it perfectly positions to the White House. The Jefferson Memorial, the World War II Memorial, and the Capitol Building. Um, mm -hmm. It's quite remarkable. It's exactly the same proportions as Nolan's Cross, encoded right in the National Mall. And while I've got you, because I see this next slide here, I'm going to pop this one up. One of the things that I noticed, too, is so you've got the National Mall sitting over here, the Potomac River going up mm -hmm. the center. On the other side of the Potomac is Rosslyn, Virginia. And we're all familiar with Rosslyn Chapel and the Templar sort of connection there. But right. you can do this on Google Earth yourself. But if you look at the roads that go around the highways all through here, up through here, mm -hmm. it's Rosslyn is almost an identical match to the shape of Oak Island. 
I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I find it very, very interesting. The name Rosslyn, the shape of the highways surrounding Rosslyn, very, very similar to the shape of Oak Island. And the most curious thing is that in the center of Rosslyn, the tallest build, building in the Washington, D.C. area is called Rosslyn Station. Mm -hmm. And I've highlighted the top of this building. You can look at it on Google Maps yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I painted it red mm -hmm. um, just to highlight it. But the roof of Rosslyn Station directly across from the National Mall mm -hmm. encodes a Templar cross right in the roof of the architecture. Holy mooyan. Yeah. Like, pretty incredible. There's so much symbolism in in, mm. in Washington D.C. and I go into that in in my first book um, in more detail and how these sacred numbers they appear all throughout Washington D.C. as well. Yep. Yeah, Jane. Like I thought also the mall was designed by Masons and Washington D.C. was laid out by Masons. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Yeah. Very very Freemasonic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay, so. Let's just jump into um, Nolan's Cross here. Um, so I'm going to kind of break it down step by step here. Um, Take your time. The show did not use my my diagrams. These are my diagrams. These are the diagrams in my book as well. Okay, good. <clears throat> um, so the first step in the Money Pit solution is to draw a circle, this green circle, which has a radius of 864 feet and you draw it from cone a so you make this this big circle all the way around and then step two they didn't show this on the show either but um you add another circle from cone b um and i'll get into the importance of this circle in a minute it has some astronomic um implications in the cross but that was what i called step two this red circle okay step three basically i took a line from cone c through cone a and i extended it all the way out to the green circle okay mm -hmm. and it it lands near the near the money pit uh, it actually lands about 45, 50 feet north of C1. Um, you've seen my location on the show, so you know where it lands. But So first line I projected is this purple line from cone A, or cone C through cone A. The next step is... Wait a minute, Brian, I got a question. Yep. Yeah. It's not pointing to the garden shaft on the corner of the garden shaft? Yep, yeah, it is. That's 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 what we're yeah. looking at. Okay. Yeah, thanks. forty-five feet north of. I'll show you at the end, but um, yes, it comes to the garden shaft. Okay, go mm -hmm. ahead. Thank you. Um, okay, so the next step is going to be the yellow line, which was sort of um, misdrawn in the TV show's presentation and wasn't straight. But the reason I'm going to sort of show you this, and I have this slide up here, and this is detailed more in my book, but. If you look at, so here's directly east. Can you see where my mouse is moving here? Looking mm -hmm. east at yep. summer solstice. Now, at summer solstice at 30 degrees, remember Nolan's cross is at 30 degrees. 
the sun rises directly on the axis of Nolan's cross, okay, on the solstice. And another thing that's sort of interesting to note is that at that time up here appears Cygnus, which is the northern cross. So the northern cross is directly above, and the rising sun is directly on the axes of uh, Nolan's cross on the summer solstice. So I projected this line, which is really this yellow line, which the show sh showed uh, crooked. Okay. But um, it is basically sort of completing the circle. It represents the diameter of the whole circle, or it could represent another line. But it's an extension of the axes, the long axes of Nolan's cross, extended out to the green circle. Okay. And the interesting thing about this intersection is that if you go and you look at um, Nolan's Cross and you project this axis through, it, it'll cross the boulderless beach. Mm -hmm. Then it crosses an underwater anomaly that's on the uh, bathymetric survey. And it also perfectly bisects Frog Island Shoal. Um which I find very interesting because Frog Island Shoal is only about six feet below um, below the surface of the water. So, it, it, it you know, hmm? a couple hundred years ago, it was even less than six feet. Right. Um, but here's a close-up, I don't know if everyone can see it, of that rectangular square anomaly. I don't know why, if they've, I don't know if they've ever looked for this or it's certainly on the survey. It was pointed out by the people who did the survey, but we've never heard about it on the show. Right. Um, but there is a rectangular anomaly, anomaly in the ocean that is directly in line with Nolan's cross right here. What it is, I'm, I don't know. But um, the point extends to it. So the next thing that you do is you take when you extend the yellow line up then drop a line straight down which is sort of due south mm -hmm. um from that intersection point and it as well perfectly intersects the purple line and the green circle at the same location mm -hmm. okay next we go to um, the point I call Jevera, and I don't even think they showed this on the show, but um, Jevera, so you have the mercy point over here, yep. right? Mirror it over the axes of the cross, you get Jevera in the Tree of Life. When you extend a line from Jevera through Cone A, mm -hmm. all the way out to the green circle, it intersects this the red circle and the green circle at the point of the sun rising on the equinox perfectly. So that's very interesting. Um, and it's almost like the money pit is mirrored about the equinox. Right. Can you not see even, that in that triangle? Yep. They're not even close to the head and her chapel vaults at all. Not I even think close. they've been digging in the wrong place from the get-go. Um, yeah, Brian, uh, Michael wants to know, what's your heading for the axis? What's the heading for the, like in terms of a GPS heading? That's all he's got is, what is your heading for the axis? That's all I got. 
I don't know. In my book, and I don't have it right here, but I oh, have okay. I have the GPS points in my book and the coordinates of each of the um, the boulders on Nolan's Cross. Right. Thank um, you, Brian. Yeah, I just can't remember degrees. He says degrees, if that matters. Oh, okay. It's thirty degrees. Thirty degrees. There you go. <laughs> um. Okay. Next slide here right. is. Um, if you look at this little thing that's been created here, oh boy, it kind of resembles the yeah. stone triangle. Yeah. Yep. So, whether or not that's intentional or not, but you know, I, I sort of saw it, and there you go. Um. So the next one that we're gonna do, next line is, recall we have the seven hundred and twenty foot square mm -hmm. uh, at the bottom of the cross. And if you extend a line from the bottom corner of that square through the midpoint and cone B is the upper right corner of that square, extend that line again, it perfectly intersects with the green circle again at the proposed money pit location. Mm -hmm. So, so far we have uh, one, two, we have three lines perfectly intersecting there. Um, the next line that I drew, which is a very interesting line, is from cone uh, E, and I actually drew this one through. There's a big boulder in um, in uh, Smith's Cove over yep, there. Yeah, we remember um, that one. Yeah, and um, and basically, if you draw a line from cone E to that boulder again, crosses perfectly through the intersection uh, of the green circle and all of the other lines at the money pit. Unbelievable. Now, if we sort of zoom out for a second here, um, if you extended that same line, you can see the green line on the bottom mm -hmm. from yep. the boulder all the way through Coney to the end of the island, it perfectly intersects the most westerly point of Oak Island, hmm. almost like it was sort of planned out to be like that. So that's an interesting um, sort of uh, point to find there too. So all of these points intersecting at Nolan's Cross, <clears throat> I get it. I, we could do the, uh, I'm not going to talk about the sort of astronomic alignments too much today, but um, I'm going to show you this anyways, but so I showed you the diagram on solarium, how the sun rises on the summer solstice yep. in line with Nolan's cross axes. If you look at the winter solstice and you were standing as an observer at cone A, um, the sun would rise on the winter solstice directly over the money pit. Okay. <laughs> And if you were standing at cone A and looking at the sun setting on the solstice, it would set directly over cone E. And if you were looking from cone A on the sunset of the summer solstice, it would set directly over cone C. So <clears throat> Nolan's cross is sort of encoding these astronomical alignments at the solstice and uh at the equinox although i'm going to leave the equinox out of it for now because i would have to show you some more background information on that um so 
here's what the diagram looks like on uh, Google Maps. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you can see sort of how everything sort of comes together here. Um, and then finally, um, this is a blow up and enlargement of my money pit location, which they showed on the show. Yep. There's a little difference between my point and what Steve Guptil plotted. I mean, I, you know, I don't have the, I didn't have when I wrote the book and did whatever sort of access to the island to okay. GPS, all these things. So, right. uh, you know, my points within six feet of Steve's point. So, okay. um, anyways, very interesting. And that's where, that's how I got to the, to the money pit location. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe we'll do some questions or whatever on that next. All righty. Here we go. Let's see here, Renee. What's this mean here? Now you have an hourglass from east to west, male and female symbol. Mm -hmm. Sacred feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Michael, I drive Michael crazy, Brian, with all his math and angles like you're doing. You guys would be like two peas in a pot. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. Uh, well. I'm not prepared tonight to sort of delve right. into Xena's maps, but um, right. I would love to at some point um, do a little show on uh, on Xena's maps. And yeah, we got to get Mike. We'll get, we'll get Michael to join us too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just to have him with us. Yeah, because uh, I believe they're astronomical maps. Renee, that's you got <clears> it right. That's what's coming too. Everything connects. To everything else connect. Yep. Not yeah, right. it's it's crazy how like and and when i was doing the research like the the incredible thing is like these numbers these ideas fit with so many different theories um they can sort of mesh it together um but yeah everything connects everything overlaps these numbers encode layer upon layer of information and um it's it's all about decoding it yeah, what did Steve think of your numbers? He loved them. They all fit. They fit on Nolan's cross. He plotted them, and um, you know, as I said, we were within like six feet of each other. So um, yeah, and I know they already drilled that spot because they can't show us. I mean, the season's over, but um, they must have drilled your spot after Duma Mining left. But I mean, that's for us not to know when whatever's going to happen. I honestly don't know. I know that the the garden shaft is very close, and I'm not sure yeah. if you know their intention is to maybe tunnel from the bottom over or drill it separately. I, they didn't disclose that. Yeah, to me. I don't know. And I'm always yelling uh, "Holy Muyan!" That's my motto when I'm on the shows, only because we can't wait for this Muyan information that shows any kind of anomalies from the bottom up but it takes so long to get information but i had information that they are going to show us some kind of information that's been coming in uh, towards the latter part of the season that's yeah. all i know that's all i can tell everybody you know what i mean when i was there they were still um recording data yeah um, still, but i think yeah. i think the data is going to be exciting at least i'm hoping it is and here goes <clears throat> neil why oak island why not any other island? And does its shape mean anything? 
I don't know. Um, the shape looks like an elephant. I mean, everybody yeah. sees that. Um, yeah. And an elephant, you know, is an ancient symbol of wisdom um, and knowledge. So, in a way, um, having uh, having a shape like an elephant sort of has some symbolic meanings to this this sacred knowledge that I'm sort of talking about. So, really, the the presence of it looking like an elephant makes everybody go there than another island they might have a cross on it someplace else around the whole world okay mm -hmm. yeah it's funny if you look at um in egypt um there's actually an island uh and it's the temple of isis and mm -hmm. it's on elephantine island oh, and God. it is shaped like an elephant too and um it's again back to that sacred um feminine um which we could talk about as well but um yeah uh Interesting. There's only one. That's the only other elephant-shaped island that I know of. Elephantine Island in Egypt. Yeah. Do you believe Nolan's cross is a cross or a cessation of Cyrus? Absolutely. Um, I would. I would do another uh, presentation just on the um, the astronomy and show you a bunch of, um, I guess, slides that I have in my book about um, the alignments there. Um, but yes, definitely the cross is uh, the Northern Cross in the sky. It's the it's the Hermetic motto that they followed as above, so below. Um, right. They believed and, in it. Yep. And Michael says he calls that large boulder on Smith's Cove. I guess the Rose Stone. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me get this off. Let's see. Any other questions here before we get going again? Everybody's interested. The numbers, more people are joining in. Wow, this is fantastic, Brian. I just, I just love this stuff. You know. Yeah, me too. It's really cool, and I don't. It's so simple, really. I mean, I, I hope nothing I've presented tonight is too complicated. But I do believe that the solution is going to be simple, and I think the way of you know disguising this stuff. Most of these numbers are embedded in our everyday lives. We don't even know it. Um, yeah. And what a better way to hide them in plain sight right yep. in front of us yep. it's um, like, you know it's a lot to absorb but we take our time and i think i would ask you if you can go back into our facebook group after at your leisure if people have questions from here that you can answer back maybe on facebook on the quest or group i would really appreciate it i would love to because Absolutely. i don't have no answers you guys got all the answers and plus well, i don't know book. i don't have all the answers either i got some ideas and hopefully yeah. They mesh with someone else's and we can get to the bottom of this puzzle. Yep. And, you know, we present it. I present it out for people to believe or not and buy his book. I mean, he's got the book out also very shortly. And um, you go from there. You got to absorb all this stuff mm -hmm. because um, there's so much information. Even myself got pounded with for 10 years. And you get confused quick. And then you watch the show. Well, how come they can't find this thing? They got all these researchers, all these scans, all these theories, all these reference points. Yet, well, how do you get, think those guys do when Billy's just digging dirt and coming up with nothing all the time? You know, and choice drilling, always doing all these drilling holes. Okay, we're, we're chasing some kind of gold signature, but who knows about that? You know what I mean, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's funny what kind of led me down the path to... Um to sort of figuring this out like this was um because of my architectural background yeah. um 
I actually, I was working with Les McPhee. Um, he's a historian. He's been involved in Oak Island for many, right. many years. I've heard about him. Um, Les shared with me a bunch of the old surveys of the money pit. And um, I recreated all the surveys in AutoCAD. And I could never get them to locate to where they were digging. Hmm. Um, so that sort of led me to change the position and to, to come up with the money put solution that I have today. Yeah. But Jane, I think that they've been digging in the wrong place for a little bit of time. Yeah. And Jan says, uh, did you take the measurements yourself from Nolan's Cross or did you have the measurements just from Steve? Steve. Okay. Now, here's the big question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. What do you think that, what do you think's buried? Mm. Island? Something religious, something old. You think it's a relic? Yeah. I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I think it's more about knowledge and, you know, history of the world and stuff like that than a pirate chest full of gold. I think that it's, um, I think that maybe it's something that the church didn't, maybe want made public too um yeah i don't know i think it's religious like i said to rick when i was there i'm like mm -hmm. i don't know if you found it i don't know if i'd be the first one through the door and he's like i'm going right through the door i don't that's care. Rick. I, that's you know, rick, yeah. i said well i might be a couple guys behind you i don't know yeah if something's buried supposedly like 190 feet or below bedrock and buried that's not an excess point i mean i'm in civil engineering and surveying, if I put something that low, there's either entrances by the bay that are just all blocked up, or it was an air shaft, but something that deep to get a treasure and retrieve it, I don't think so. It's something that I don't think anybody's supposed to see and buried there to put away. That's my own personal opinion. No, I, I agree. Um, they may have a back door though, I don't know. Oh, um, mm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, I think it's an ancient old treasure. Um, I think that this knowledge is part of the treasure. Um, and, um, but I really sort of, you know, I located the money pit, but in my book, I actually feel like uh, the true treasure vault is on the west side of the swamp in the slate bedrock. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of detail that location a little bit different, but um i'm one i don't know maybe the money pit is an access into the the tunnel system or something like that i'm not sure mm -hmm. but if i was the architect of this treasure vault i wouldn't be putting it in uh, water filled limestone i would put it in solid slate bedrock yep i hear you i mm -hmm. hear you there's daniel yeah i think of that too like indiana jones you know yeah yeah i hear you daniel we're far yeah. enough away. Exactly. Don't look at it. Yep. We got this uh, Ron. He says uh, they think there's a uh, hand-me-down treasure map that they're looking for, that they're going by looking for the treasure. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, Nolan's Cross is the treasure map. Is the map. Mm. And somebody, who the heck the writer was, a researcher, have to look back that he said Nolan's cross was formation. It was supposed to be a church there. Um, I got it in the past uh, references, but the Nolan's cross was sort of, sort of 
there and the measurements they come off the cross was to make a cathedral or a church mm -hmm. uh, for something like for a worship uh, island so that gives you more on the religious side of what the heck was going on over there you know what i mean yeah i do believe something's there uh and i really i i think too like i think the guys are gonna get there i i mean it might not be this year i don't know it might be next year but i do think that um they're committed to doing it i think they've got the right equipment i mean the that was something that struck me when i was there is because i do construction every day but the equipment that they have on the island is unbelievable i mean they are i mean we've seen them drive those 10-foot caissons into the ground i mean it is incredible um and the equipment so um i really hope the, they get there do you think even though they show us things and i don't know if it's right or not would four feet or six feet solid blue clay have any effect even though they're showing us seismic testing went all the way down and i'm all the way up and all this other stuff and x-ray scanners and everything else i thought the blue clay was sort of deflect some things or is it just not doesn't really i don't matter. know enough about the seismic testing but it's definitely dense yeah um so you know it may show something for sure it's interesting like the way that they um and we use the material quite a bit in uh, our construction as well but mm -hmm. um when they're building this uh, garden shaft now right um the waterproofing method that they're using is a, it's a it's a geotextile fabric and it's actually uh, got clay uh sort of between two sheets of fabric and they wrap the outside of the the wood tunnel the wood shoring with this uh clay membrane and when it gets wet it becomes waterproof and uh, that's how they're waterproofing um digging in the garden shaft right now with clay yeah Here's Daniel. The pirates and Captain Kidd were cited as culprits because of the times that the money pit was discovered. It was never about them. Much more profound, in my opinion. Yep, Daniel. I agree. A hundred percent. Yep, blue yep. clay. Put it in blue clay and it's waterproof. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, we use it all the time to waterproof basements and tricky foundations and water conditions and stuff like that. And uh yeah, that's what they're using in the garden shaft right now. When I used to do some kind of civil engineering and stuff like that, they just put the tar on the put the tar on the outside of the blocks. That's it. Backfill it slow. Yep. yep. <laughs> Alrighty. What else do we got? Clay contains only subjects. Any more questions here? It's a little delay sometimes by the time they print and get it to us, Brian. Okay, no worries. Over to interwebs. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Nope, I don't see any, Brian. Yeah, I, 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 I think Nolan's Cross is the key. I think speaking their language is the key. I think thinking how they thought is the key i find the gematria um very intriguing um and um and i really i like the musical part i like how all the pieces fit together it's actually um it's pretty simple how it all comes together and um it seems to make sense for some reason i'm not sure but yeah but uh, seems too, to make some sense too bad dunfield had to wipe out the whole 
money put area and more with him doing that. But sometimes I realize, you know, through construction like you, you got this money invested and you're doing all this research and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm just going to dig a big hole and find this thing. Yeah, I don't blame him for trying. It's like, yeah, right? But apparently, like Robert Young told me at the end, he was so pissed off uh, that he didn't find anything in his big dig that he filled that hole full of dynamite and blew it all up and then backfilled it. So when I see sometimes that they're finding little fragments of this and that and other things, I'm not surprised. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. They dynamited that big hole that Dunfield dug out before he backfilled it? Dunfield did it, yes. Why would he dynamite the, the empty hole? Because he was so pissed off. He'd had enough. He hadn't found anything, and he just said, fuck it, and he threw everything in there and blew it up. Holy crap. <clears throat> yeah. Did he ever say on lot five if he found something? I know he didn't want to dig up the lot. He wanted to keep it as natural as he could, Robert Young. I've known that about him that he, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't like the guys digging up, up all the island and everything else, even though they're going to restore it. Um, did he give he you would, any inklings of something that was found that was his best find or the number three find? You can say because they don't um, have it. The brothers don't have it. His stuff someplace in uh, in Halifax or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think he donated it to yeah. a university or something. Yeah, like that's that. it. But, that's um, it. Yeah. He was very proud of his finds. Um, he said that, um, you know, in some ways he was the first one to find a coin. I know he has uh, in his artifacts, and I, I can't remember what it is, but he, he found a very early, early coin. Uh, I believe it was Spanish, and okay. it was never in circulation um, on never his in property. Circulation. No. No, it had never been circulated into the money thing, uh, however that works. But um, And he did, he had a metal detecting uh, radar sort of thing done on his property. He would, I tried to prod him for it many, many times. He would never, ever tell me the (laughs) um, findings of that, um, that, uh, that metal serve, metallic survey he had done or whatever. So, yeah. and but then, he was very, very proud of all his findings, and he did find a lot of fantastic things. They're on his website. It's great. Um, yeah. And then when we were talking about that, when they were buying the uh, the island for $1.2 million, I was surprised that as Laginas owned it, you know, with the planking ships and permission and everything, that they didn't let him, after Laginas were taking the percentages away from everybody, that they, he still had to go there on his boat. They still didn't let him use the causeway. Oh, yeah. Uh, that didn't make no sense. If you're on lot five and you want to work with everybody on the island, this is just me, Johnny the Italian. Okay, mm-hmm. you want to work with me? I'll work with you. And uh, can I just draw, drive over the uh, the causeway? No, you still got to drive your boat over. And all. You, you, yeah. Can you give us any info or inside? We won't tell nobody <laughs> <laughs> why that would um, be. I'm just trying to think about our conversations yeah. about that. Um, yeah, he never had access uh, right. through the road. I know that. Um, but I know, too, from speaking to him over the years and whatever that, um, you know, Fred wasn't on great terms with anybody there. Right, you know, right. Sort of until the end either. So right. both of them were blackballed. They traveled in their boats together. Yeah. And, um you know, went over and did their thing. Um, yeah, I hear you. 
but uh, yeah, he never really understood that, and um, and um, he didn't um, he didn't like some of the things that everybody was that, that was happening on the island. He felt that they were destroying the island too. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. and I and I think um, you know, I don't think I don't think Robert was afraid to give his opinion to um, the rest of the team. So. Um, so maybe that guy maybe they didn't like what he was saying, and that's why he took the boat. I don't know, or maybe he was stubborn, and that's why yeah. he took the boat. Yeah. I don't know. I took the boat for five thousand trips. I'm not stopping now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's see here, robot. Question, Brian: Is it true that Fred Nolan moved Stone B and found a wrought iron stove dated the 18th century under it? Absolutely. So how could Nolan's cross really be? People hide things under stones. I don't know. I don't know if it was directly underneath it. It might have been adjacent. Um, But yes, that's correct. And that was in, um, I can't remember the book. Um, But um, yeah, they did find a a potbelly stove underneath um, Combe or adjacent Gombe anyways. Around the area or whatever, how it comes mm-hmm. out to be when it gets handed and, and And I had heard that there was pieces of that stove that Fred had, but I don't know where they went. I know. I always ask the team, well, where's all, if you're a surveyor and you're taking up stakes in the swamp and you're tagging all the stuff that you're finding, pieces of boat and all that stuff, I ask uh, my insider, where is all this stuff? They have no idea. Yeah. So, so much know, of it, it has disappeared. Is it in a shed someplace? Is it at his home that he, I mean, he passed away in Halifax, but, uh, you know, Tom Nolan would give them anything that they wanted to see. So it can't be on the island. It's all tagged. Because as a surveyor, I would plot everything, tag everything, put everything in the book. Not less. Uh, Fred um, had a book. Yeah. And but, I saw the book. Tom showed me the book. Um man i wish i had a copy of that book like but uh yeah fred fred recorded everything in a book uh it was you know probably that thick um tom and i looked through it and there's a lot of very interesting things in there i mean even robert told me some very interesting stories about some discoveries that him and fred had made on uh on their properties as well there you go there's your third book yeah could be for now i'm taking a break I hear you. I hear you. All right. You want to continue? Yeah. The answering, uh, like, I don't, I mean, I sort of finished up the money pit. I, I think okay. um, that might be enough for tonight, but I, like, right. yeah, I mean, I would love to um, sort of delve deeper into it. Um, maybe another time. All right. No problem. No mm. problem. No problem at all. Learning a lot, getting another education. I never learned so much about history and numbers ever since i've been on this thing for about six years then no thank you you know it's just unbelievable and then when you present the other presenters like christopher morford and daniel and dot the dot and oliver from france everybody gets together if it's the same information going for the same goal let's see what all this means you know before we're all 100 years old or whenever you know what i mean yeah, and and I think I, I think my ideas um, work work well with everybody else's ideas, um, and I don't think um, I think my, I'm just a piece of the puzzle. Um, we need to you know put all the other pieces together to to solve this thing. 
I know. Then you had a Daniel. I see I knew Daniel's he, question. Yeah, there. I know he was going to say that when you said, you know, it's on the west side of the island. Mm -hmm. That's in the next book. I don't know. What do you, what do you no, have to no, say? No, no, it's in my book now. But um, okay, it's uh, it's um, it's in. I'm trying to think of the lot numbers now. Hang on, two seconds. We'll just. I, I have so many numbers in my head. I gotta between lot eight and twenty-seven. All right, and then you have to get buy the book to see the details. There you yep. go. There's the hook. There's the hook, yep. guys. We get the hook on the show every Tuesday. And next week, see what I'm saying, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Lot 8 and Lot 27, I think. Right between the two. Let's see here. What's this guy saying? What's he saying? This month's archaeology magazine, there's a picture of an ointment vessel with the equal arm cross with flare end shapes, just like the red cross in your background. Oh. Okay, Stephen, thank you. Well, like I said, uh, we'll end it up now very shortly. We're on the two-hour mark, and uh, I really appreciate you picking our group, like I said, to come on. Mm -hmm. You're always welcome to come on anytime. Just let me know. I will, for sure. And, and uh, uh, anybody has questions, like, just let's throw them in the um, comments or however. I'm still kind of learning Facebook. I'm not a big yeah. Instagram and whatever sort of person, but... Um, yeah, um, right. put them on, and I'll do my best to um, answer them as best I can. Okay, here's the last question from the robots. Got the last question. Mm -hmm. Who do you believe left the treasure then? Is that in the book? Mm -hmm. We'll get a hold of back. No, I didn't really get into who left okay. the treasure. I just got into the location. Um, I'm ready. As I said earlier, um, I... I, I, I the Templars are romantic, sort of, and interesting, of course. Um, but I like the Bacon side of it, too, because I do believe in the manuscripts and, and sort of, mm -hmm. I mean, Bacon was planning the, uh, the sort of the um, the settling of the new world, right? Um, and, uh, and John Dee is amazing, too. I've done a lot of research on him, and uh, he's quite amazing as well. So um, I don't know. I don't know. They're they're both they're both good suspects. Yep. Alrighty. Well, uh, once I uh, put you in the staging area, stay there because once I log out myself, I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. So just stay in the staging area. Okay. And I want to thank you so much, my members. Thank you so much, Brian. It was thank fantastic. you, everybody, too, for listening to um, my stuff, and um, I really appreciate having the um, this format to uh, present it in. Thank yep, you very much. Show your book one more time before you you. Uh, <laughs> we leave. got yeah, two there's books. Two. There's book one, book two. There you go, guys. Thank you so much, Brian. You're welcome. Thank I'll you. See. Thank you, everyone, too. Yep, Have a I'll great weekend. You. Yep, I'll see you in the staging area. Thank you. Well, guys, there we go. There it is. A lot to digest. He thinks a religious artifact. Let's go find it. Let's go get it. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. But remember, members. What do I always say? Always go forward. You may get a setback in your life, but just believe in yourself. You believe in your dreams no matter how old you are, for tomorrow is a never given.
in this crazy world we live in, we need a lot of prayers. So as my friend Jan always says, you got to be kind and keep smiling. You don't know what the other person is going through, but keep smiling. You stay strong, you stay positive, and you stay safe. I'll see you pre-show this coming Tuesday at 645. Judy will be with me on Wednesday with our podcast at 645. I want to thank Brian so much for coming on. He was on Tuesday night at the Curse of Oak Island, and boom, he picked our group to come on for the first podcast. Uh, that means a, a, a lot to me and a lot to my members. I thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you. Take care, and bye-bye. Mm-hmm.